Welcome to the Radical Remission Project Stories That Heal podcast. My name is Kelly A. Turner, and I'm a PhD cancer researcher, New York Times bestselling author of Radical Remission and Radical Hope, and the founder of the Radical Remission Project. In this podcast, it is our honor to bring you inspiring healing stories directly from radical remission survivors themselves, as well as from the amazing doctors and healers they work with. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Radical Remission Project's Stories That Heal podcast. Today, we are very excited to share with you Tara Coyote and her wonderful healing story. Um, Tara was recommended to hospice in the spring of 2019 with widespread cancer throughout her body. Through digging into immense self-care, complementary medicine, the healing power of horses, the powerful energy of living in Kauai, Hawaii, and fierce determination, she made a remarkable recovery in 2020. Tara is the best-selling author of the book, Grace, Grit, and Gratitude, a cancer thriver's journey from hospice to full recovery with the healing power of horses, as well as a children's book called Comanche the Wild Mustang. Tara is trained as an equine-facilitated learning instructor to work with humans with horses in a therapeutic manner at her ranch on Kauai called Wind Horse Sanctuary. Tara has been sharing her health journey through her blog page, YouTube, and multiple social media channels and believes that it is always possible to find beauty within the greatest tragedy and every challenge is present to serve us from our highest growth. Welcome, Tara. Thank you so much. We are so excited to have you here and can't wait to dig into this really, really amazing story that you have. So we really appreciate your time. Let's start out by um, having you just tell us briefly about your diagnosis. What was your diagnosis? When did it happen? How did you find out? Sure, I'm happy to share and thank you so much for having me here. Yeah, so I was diagnosed with stage three breast cancer, hormone-driven breast cancer in September 2016. Um, at that time, I was um, I didn't want to go the standard route of treatment. They told me I would need to have surgery, chemo, radiation. A little bit of backstory is that my best friend of 19 years had died almost exactly one year previously from acute myeloid leukemia. And I had a lot of trauma from being with her from diagnosis to death. I spent many, 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 many months with her at the hospital. And so, and I was always a very natural healing girl. So I refused the standard route of treatment. I did natural healing for about two and a half years. It was going really, really well until a very stressful incident occurred. And at that time I was running a horse retreat center in Northern California. And something happened where I was forced to sell my ranch. It was about a year of extreme, extreme stress. And it was at that time, I believe the cancer spread throughout my body. Um, in the winter of 2018, I was not doing well. Um, I decided to move back home to Kauai, Hawaii, where my father is from, which I did, which is where I live now. And uh by the winter of 2019, the cancer had gone from my breast to my bones, my spine, my hips, my liver, my adrenal gland, and I was referred to hospice. It was 
very scary. I was in a lot of pain. I had so much cancer in my lungs, I could not hold a conversation. I had to sit up to sleep at night because I was gagging in my sleep. I was in an oxygen machine. I was walking with a cane because my left hip was breaking. And um, here in Kauai, they said, Tara, you might want to face your fear of doing chemotherapy because it might save your life at this point. And um, I knew I was dying. I could see it. You know, it was I, I was in very bad shape. So I decided to face my fear and work through a lot of the trauma around my best friend's death. I ended up doing nine months of chemo. During that time, I kept up with my natural healing. I kept up with vitamin IVs. I kept up with all my natural supplements. I, I did a plethora of things as I still continue to do. And um, But during the time of treatment, I almost died a few times. I ended up breaking my left hip in the fall of 2019 and I had to have double hip surgery the the cancer had literally broken my hip um so that was a major recovery I had to learn to walk again um by 2020 I had finished treatment February 2020 I finished treatment with remarkable results the cancer had shrunk throughout my body and I was stable and I continued to keep healing um, the cancer slowly shrunk throughout my body. And um, in the fall of 2022, I was declared NED, no evidence of disease. So I'm very, very thankful to be alive and to be telling my story right now. It's fantastic. I love hearing that. I'm also a metastatic breast cancer thriver. So I get it when it's in the bones and it's in the organs and things are going a bad way. But yay you. So Tell us how you actually ran across Radical Remission. How did you learn about the book? Where did you first pick it up? Do you remember? And how did it um, impact your healing? Oh, I love this question. And that's why it's such a thrill to be here with you all right now. Yes. So within a month of my diagnosis, a dear friend recommended the book. He said, Tara, you have to read this book. And I said, okay, that time I was taking in so much information, doing research. I wasn't decided about what I was going to do for my healing. And I found this lovely book. And um, it completely opened me up to the possibility of miracle healing and to really believe in the power of healing. And I was so grateful I found that book because there's so much fear around cancer, as you all know. And um, it really helped me see that healing is possible. And everything in my mind after I read this book was about focusing on healing rather than being sick. So it was such a powerful influencer. And um, yeah, since then, it, it's on my resource page is like the number one book. And I recommend it to everybody too. So wonderful book. Well, thank you for that. We definitely agree. We, uh, we love hearing and just seeing and, and hearing in your voice, the, um, the commitment that you have to the, um, the concepts in radical remission. What do you think are the ones that played the biggest role in your healing? Yeah, so there's so much of it I relate to. Obviously, I think I did all of them, but I will share strong reason for living is number one. Um, my reason for living, I mean, besides loving life, I've always wanted to live, uh, is my son. Um, when I thought I was dying in 2019, he was 26 years old, and I was so petrified to be in the standard healing world. And I, it was my love for my son, my son, Willow. 
that made me do it. I was like, I need to live for him because I had seen, sadly, so many friends pass at a young age with kids um, because I have been in the public eye since my diagnosis. So uh, it was my love for my son that kept my feet on the earth and my love for life, my love for Kauai, my horses and my friends and family. But it was my love for my son that was has been my greatest strength and impetus, like, okay, I can keep going. I can face the hard thing. So I think it's so important for all of us cancer thrivers to have a reason for living. And if you can't find it, to to search and see what's there, because there's always something. You just sometimes have to dig underneath the surface to find it. Um, and I can share some more about the other. Yeah, I love, like. I love your strong reason. And you're right about sometimes we do have to dig for it because not everybody has children, right? So then yes. they have this, well, what do I have to live for? We all have something strong to live for. And, and sometimes we just need, need to clear away the clutter and find it. But yes, please go on. Tell us about releasing suppressed emotions. Sounds good. I will add one other piece um, about strong reason for living that others might be able to relate to also. I remember when I was in a really hard space, I was in so much pain, you know, physically, mentally, I was not doing well. And a dear friend here in Hawaii said to me, he's like, why are you here? What can keep you going? And I had this moment of inspiration. I live in Kauai, Hawaii, which is, I'm so blessed to live here. It's one of the most beautiful places on earth. And I looked at these mountains near where I live, the Makaleha Mountains, and I saw such beauty in these beautiful mountains that it was a sense of like, remembering the beauty and the light and and the joy because it's always there but at that point it was hard to see because I was in such a hard mental and physical space so I just want to put that in there that nature is also here to heal us and can offer us that strength so that was something I wanted to add yeah love that thanks sure and um releasing suppressed emotions that has been and continues to be a huge part of my healing and inspiration. Um, it's so easy to suppress emotions. Our culture teaches us to do it. A lot of the work I do with people and horses is about uncovering stuck emotions. And for me personally, I obviously had a lot of trauma around my best friend Deb's death. Um, a lot of grief, a huge amount of grief that I've had to work through since her passing in 2015. Um, and I still continue to have to face that. Both of my parents died in the recent, you know, in the past year and a half for me. And so for me, I'm still going through it. I still have to remind myself, okay, I'm doing really well now, but I need to continue to get out this anger or pain or grief or whatever it may be. So it's a continual reminder because these emotions can get stuck in our body. I'll just add a little piece with the horsework I teach. This is a metaphorical horse thing is that we teach about the emotional message chart and the importance of finding the message behind the emotions because emotions are here to tell us messages. They aren't meant to hang around for months or years. Um, they're here to be just temporary. So say, for example, I feel emotion like anger. What the emotional message chart teaches us is to feel the anger and get the message behind it, which could be my boundaries were crossed so I get the message behind it, and then I release it. I metaphorically go back to grazing as the horses do. So 
to feel it, get the message behind it, and then do something about it, put up boundaries around the person I'm feeling angry at or whatever it may be. So this is just a continual thing for me, as I said, to really tune into my emotions and to release it. So I cannot um, speak highly enough about that for all of us, because we all need to do this, whether we're going through a cancer diagnosis or not, but it can really accelerate your healing if you are going through a cancer diagnosis and you're experiencing stuck emotions and to do something about it. So yay for that. Yeah, I love this as a, a healing tool because it's not one that we talk about a lot, um, but it's really important for people to know. I'm actually looking in your book and there's a, a, a piece I would just want to read. When partnering with horses, it's normal to find the horse behavior reflected in your own emotional experience. Horses offer a non-biased sounding board for the participant to travel to the root of the issue, identify it, and then release it. You want to share a little bit about that? Sure, I'm happy to. Yes, so uh, it's hard to describe really the magic and the healing being around horses unless you've felt it, but they definitely have a very calming energy about them. Um, if you know about Heart Math and Heart Math Institute, there's a lot of wisdom in the heart. Um, we tend to focus on the brain and our human culture, but the hearts are actually way more powerful, our heart and our gut instincts. So by being around horses, they have such large, incredible hearts. It can be incredibly calming to be around them. And what I find is that through being with horses, it helps people reflect and see whatever stuck emotions they're feeling, whether it be sadness or grief or anger, whatever it is, it, they, in their own way, can just reflect whatever the person is holding within them. And um, I can attest to that. I feed my horses three times a day. They need a lot of care. I scoop their manure. It's part of my daily life. I love it. But there's times where I can feel a little agitated or um, out of alignment and I can go be with them. And it's almost like this sense of like, okay, I'm balanced again. So I, I think, yes, yes. It's, it's how, quite... how did they pick? So how did they um, mirror your emotion? Like, what does that look like? Can you give us an example? Yes, I've seen it a lot. And um, I used to lead these workshops with large amounts of people and the horses would act differently each time. They're not set robots that would act any one certain way where I would see a client who would come to a workshop and she was obviously holding a lot within and the horses could reflect it in their behavior. Say if she was holding anger in, the horse might act a little agitated and start getting on another horse's case through biting him or acting aggressive. Um, they could also, I used to lead grief rituals with horses, with groups of people as well. And there was a sense of somebody was holding in a lot of grief and that horse would just hold impeccable space for that person, just standing in front of her and just being present, almost like a statue and helping to absorb and transmute whatever she's feeling. Does wow. that make sense? Yeah, that's very amazing. I mean, you know, yeah, animals are amazing creatures and horses have their own special beauty, but I had no idea that they could do that. Yeah, that sounds really powerful. And I think too, just to speak of other an animals, other animals can do that too. You know, dogs and cats provide great comfort as well if you're upset or going through something 
like us animal owners know, but this is particularly about horses too. Looking for a thoughtful, heartfelt gift for someone with cancer? The Radical Remission Project has partnered with woman-led small business Rest and Heal to create lovely care packages for you to send. They feature the Radical Remission and Radical Hope books alongside natural wellness products, all of which are non-toxic and sourced from women-owned, black-owned, and New York State businesses. We know our community is passionate about spreading the radical remission healing factors, and these care packages are a great way to get knowledge into the hands of those who need it most. Visit restandheal.com forward slash shop to purchase or learn more. That's restandheal.com forward slash shop. If you would like to learn more about the healing factors, join a Radical Remission workshop to learn how to implement them into your life. You will learn how lifestyle choices such as diet change, increasing positive emotions, empowerment, and more can boost your immune system in scientifically proven ways. Our workshops follow a unique interactive format that encourages sharing and social support. You will create a self-designed, one-week, one-month, and six-month action plan that you can begin to implement right away. For many, a Radical Remission workshop is the first step in finding a like-minded, uplifting, healing community. The 10 factors of Radical Remission can be used safely by anyone on any healing journey, as well as for prevention. These 10 factors will aid you in improving your immune function and have helped many people overcome cancer or other chronic diseases. Check out RadicalRemission.com to find virtual and in-person workshops and other events. In the end, do you feel that um, that was one of your biggest healing modalities? It's, you know, it's kind of an unusual one. I like to share the unusual healing modalities on, on the podcast. Yes, yes, of course. I mean, that's the title of my book, How Horses Help Me Heal. And that's the theme throughout my book. Um, again, it's a little bit hard to put into words. I feel like they have been just powerful healing forces for me and continue to be so. I'll just share one story that's particularly touching too that really helps others tune into it. So it was about two weeks after I was diagnosed. And at that point, I had four horses because I still lived in Northern California at my horse retreat center. I now have two horses. But one of my horses, Daisy, my female horse, um, came up to me. And at this point, I was just recently diagnosed. It was in about like two weeks ago or two weeks after diagnosed. And as you know, when you're recently diagnosed, your head's spinning, you're overwhelmed. It's 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 a tremendously hard time. It can be. And she came up to me with her beautiful, huge head and laid her head on my left shoulder. The tumor was in my left breast. And she laid her huge head on my shoulder, which, of course, kind of pulled me over because she's a thousand pound horse. And then she proceeded to rub her head up and down the left part of my body, like over my breast, down to my hip, up and down. And it was a sense of, oh, my gosh, she's helping to clear this energy. She's helping to heal me. She knows I'm in shock. So 
it was stories like that. And um, so many times, I mean, even now, if I'm upset and I go out to my horses and I'm crying, they they circle around me and they hold sacred space. So it's, I believe it's this continual being around them that they help transmute what I'm going through. And another one thing I'll share about that that's interesting about how animals mirror humans. One of my horses, Blue, he's a paint horse. He's also living with cancer. He has a tumor on his left eyelid. Uh, he was uh, diagnosed with it in the spring of 2020. And he's doing really well. He's stable. I give him herbs, just like I give myself different herbs, of course. But I feel like they can manifest what their human is going through to help transmute it. So I can tell you so many more stories about that. But wow, that's then. amazing. That's a, that's a gift is what that is for sure. It really is. Yeah. It, it really speaks to how intuitive animals are. And if, if only we would tap into our own intuition as much as animals do. Um, that's why they're such great teachers, right? So true. They're such gifts, really. Yeah. Yeah. So why don't you uh, share another factor with our listeners about, um, well, everybody always likes to know about diet change. Uh, did you feel that there was any significant diet changes that you made while you were on your healing journey? Well, that's an interesting thing. I was already very healthy. I ate organic my whole life. You know, when I was diagnosed, my friends were shocked. They said, Tara, you're the most healthy person I know. How can this happen to you? You know, I was eating clean. I was eating gluten-free, super healthy. So I did not make any huge diet changes. I mean, of course, on this journey I've been on, I've experimented with lots of different diets because there's everybody's got viewpoints about what works. Um, I now, for the last few years, have eaten ketogenic. And I find that that works really well for me and I feel good. And there's a lot of research about that. But um, yeah, I think for me, diet wasn't such a big part of my switch. It was definitely more about healing the emotions and such. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to share a little bit about your, um, I think we might know the direction this is headed, but um, if how you increase your positive emotions? Of course, I would love to. Yes. Positive emotions so important. And I already had a very positive viewpoint before, but when you're diagnosed with cancer, it it really makes you go into yourself and look at what's working and what doesn't work in your life. As y'all know, you know, it's a great opportunity to do tremendous inner work. Um, I like to talk about the Hawaiian concept of aloha ma which is something I learned from a dear friend, Keone Hanalei, who's also a radical remission thriver, diagnosed uh, with stage four cancer and referred to hospice about 12 years ago. So he's been a mentor and a dear, dear friend of mine. And he talks about Aloha Ma, which is about self-reflective love. Um, I like to speak about this a lot. It's It's about deep, deep self-care, self-love, which I like to also associate with positive emotions, this self-care that's necessary for healing yourself when you're going through a serious diagnosis to really hone into what you need for you. And of course, increasing positive emotions is like that um, during the time 
2019, when I was going through such a hard space, I had to really look at all my relationships and really examine, is this relationship healthy? Do I need to have more space from this person? What is toxic and what's not? My partner and I of four years ended up splitting up two weeks after I broke my hip, which was very challenging, very difficult. But in the big picture, it was extremely healing because there was elements of that relationship that were not healthy for me. We're still very close friends to this day, and I'm very grateful for his friendship. But having a switch like that, I think, really helped propel me forward in my healing because there was elements about it that were preventing me from healing. So I do believe it's always possible to increase positive emotions. You know, I have to work on it daily. Um, I do the work of Byron Katie, which I highly recommend. Um, it's a daily check-in, you know, because I still have the negative thoughts that come through my mind, of course, because I'm human. And that's what we humans do. But to turn it around and find the beauty, and I'm not talking about spiritual bypassing, because so-called negative emotions are here to teach us, just like emotions are. But, you know, to really look at it and examine if it's real and get the truth out of it and then move forward to the positive trajectory, if that's possible within yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I love how in your book, you are incredibly vulnerable and forthcoming and honest and um, really a self-advocate from what I could tell um, in in the way that you kind of, you were just driven. And um, I, I personally relate that to our empowerment factor. I know sometimes we talk about it from this perspective of the medical team, but also just, you know, back to your point about the, you know, the deep self-love and and just hearing your voice in the book of um, being empowered to want to be here and to make, be honest and be willing to share and um, and being open to the people that you love to get what you need. Yes, well said, well said. And I also want to add in too, in our culture, unfortunately, we're taught to be victims in everything, every viewpoint. And that's why I think your book, one of the many reasons is so important because it teaches the cancer patient to be empowered. And it's so common when you're diagnosed to have that reflected back to you, family and friends and the medical industry, this, oh, poor you, I'm so sorry. And we're taught to be victims when my whole way of thinking about being a cancer thriver is this is a gift for me. This is an opportunity for my growth to learn how to become healthier. And that's been my way of thinking all the way along. I have never thought of myself as sick, except for when I was really sick. I did have to take that in and acknowledge that. But um, there's so much to look at with our wording, you know, even the word cancer survivor. I mean, I acknowledge there's truth in the word survivor, but to push that forward and be like, I'm a thriver. I've gotten through so much and I'm doing well. Like there's so much power in our words and our thoughts. So it really can be a brilliant path of awakening and empowerment if we allow it to be. And so that's why I speak up and I share my story because I feel like we need to change our thinking around it because every challenge is here for our growth ultimately. Amen, sister. I love it. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that one. And I know it is hard for some people to 
to, to get there right away. And because of, you know, culturally how it's treated and the whole war on cancer, and it's such a horrible, devastating thing. And many people do have trauma around having lost a loved one to a diagnosis. So it's, it's hard for some people to look at it that way. But when we get to that point, when we do look at it as, a, as, as the internal work that we get to do, while we're here, right? As a, as the bill, you know, it's, it's something that affords us an opportunity to stop and, and review our lives and our priorities and really think about, you know, how to get out of autopilot and back into, you know, running our lives and making our choices and, and being authentic. It's, it, it can be a really powerful journey. Um, but I just want to acknowledge not everybody gets there right away. Not everybody gets there at all. Um, but when we can get there, it can, it can be really powerful. So yay you. Thank you. Yeah, it is a process. And I do have to work with my thoughts every day because I still have those thoughts that creep in of like, oh, my knee is sore. My back is sore. What does that mean? So, oh, my God. Yes. I laid in bed two nights ago going, oh, my God, it's back. It's in my thigh bone. Oh, my God. And the next day I wake up and everything is fine. Right. Exactly. We have to, we do, we are human. As you mentioned earlier, we're human beings. We have these thoughts. We have egos that just bring up stuff for us. And um, we need to remember that, that we're empowered. We're in control of our health and, and of our choices. And we get to choose how we respond to things. And, um, but it's a constant process, as you said. It really is. I, I like to talk about a cancer diagnosis is being on the razor's edge because on one end you're aware, like I'm aware that the medical world calls me terminal, although I don't believe that word. I never have, because why would I want to categorize myself in that way? But I am aware of the state I'm in. But the other side of the razor's edge is that I'm seeing beyond it and I'm not getting caught in the story of what a stage four cancer diagnosis means, you know, so it's really walking a balanced line of being aware, but also being empowered in your way of thinking and being. Yeah. And it's, it's completely realistic as, like you said, as a human being to ebb and flow with that fear and, you know, have things trickle in periodically. No one's going to be able to successfully not like you say, truly live and truly release um, emotions if you don't acknowledge that you have them. So it is really, really important to continue to reflect back on things that come up in life and things that might, you know, why am I, why am I feeling this way today? And, and taking the opportunity to look at it with curiosity to actually figure out why, as opposed to just kind of pushing it aside and pushing through to, you know, get to the other side of the feeling. Exactly. It's so important. And I do want to add in too, if I may, the importance of feeling and experiencing joy, because that's something if you're going through treatment or just everybody in our daily life, we can forget about that. And that's been a big part of my healing. One of my dear friends who sadly passed years ago, Don Higgins Andrews, has this hashtag or created this hashtag called do joy now. And I try to remember that, you know, like, Nothing is guaranteed for any of us, whether we have a cancer diagnosis or not. So to really find a place for joy and to embody that, because I feel like 
again, increasing positive emotions, right? Joy is what heals us. I, I've uh, taken to swimming in a mermaid tail here in Kauai, Hawaii, like actually wearing a mermaid tail and swimming in the ocean because this past while has been incredibly painful with both my parents dying. So that's been a huge source of joy to swim in the ocean and just be this playful childlike self with a mermaid tail. So that I brings love me joy. That. I want a mermaid tail. <laughs> you can have one too. <laughs> I just don't have that beautiful ocean to swim in here in Illinois, but that's okay. <laughs> There's pools you know, though. There are pools. That's true. Um, I love that. So many of the radical remission survivors do talk about how it's a muscle that has to be worked out every day. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's a great emotion to feel, but not everybody feels it regularly. And it is okay if you have to fake it till you make it and that you do something that helps you. And, and when you're in treatment or you're feeling really poorly, it's even harder to feel that joy. And that's where it's even more important. So, um, you know, aside from mermaid tales, there's lots of way pe people can find joy and, you know, just watch a funny video, just laugh a little bit, just, you know, something that brings a smile to your face is going to help. That's great advice. Yeah. Sitting with your cat, sitting by a tree, you can find that joy. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, as we we I think we've covered all of uh, the the factors and a large part of your your healing story in relation to them. Uh, we do like to ask it at the end of our interviews if you have a piece of advice or something that you would recommend or something to share to someone who is new on a healing journey. Definitely, I do like to remind people that. I'll just speak directly to whoever may be listening that you are so much stronger than you think you are. I feel like we have an incredible well of strength in us as human beings and so much potential that's not tapped into. And so to really dig into that strength, find your purpose with this diagnosis that it's here to help heal you and teach you incredible things about yourself if you allow it to and to really allow it to transform you. Um, the more you can just surrender into the experience and not fight it, the more you will find the gift and the beauty in it. That's something I had to remind myself when I was in the hard parts of treatment. It's like, just relax, just surrender, allow it to heal you. And there's so much to be said for just letting go into a situation and allowing the magic to unfold. Even if it's challenging, there can be magic and challenging circumstances too. Yes, um, I know you have this quote in your book, too, and I've heard it before, and I really appreciate it that we are uh, Wayne Dwyer's quote about being we are spiritual beings having a human experience. And we only get to do that while we're here, right while we're in the body. So for that to be um, an inspiration to find your strong reason for living or to connect with something that brings you joy, to remind you that, you know, it is a gift to be here on this planet. And while we are in these bodies, what kind of life do we want to have? So I really, I love your book and I, I really hope that, um, you know, we can encourage our, our listeners to read it as well. And of course, we'll have some, some information in the show notes. Um, do you want to share with our listeners how they can connect with you? Um, how, how you, what would you like them to know? 
Yes, happy to share. Can I add one more little piece that I'd like to put in that's very important? Okay, just want to add a little bit more. My motto for healing, and this is in my book too, and I made mermaid t-shirts saying it too, if anyone's interested, and I'm writing a book with this title, is choose love over fear. That statement speaks so deeply to me that every moment you have a choice to spiral down into fear or to spiral up into love. And it does sound a little bit foo-foo, but there is so much truth in that to, to find the sense of expansion in the experience rather than the sense of contraction. So it was important for me to add that in. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a good one. Thank you. Love is so much more important. And, and fear is just another one of those emotions that has something to tell us and teach us, right? Absolutely. Well said. Yes. Love heals. So yes, people can find me. I'm very accessible. I'm all over social media and the web. I have a cancer website called Cancer Warriors, W-A-R-R-I-O-R-E-S-S. And that has all my videos. I've been blogging for years. It has resource pages that your book is on. Uh, So lots of information there. I'm all over social media. Um, You can find me under Tara Coyote and Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, I've just kept it consistent, Tara Coyote. And um, I have a YouTube channel too, where I put videos up every day. There's a lot of mermaid videos these days, because that's what I'm into. But that's also Tara Coyote. So yes, you can find me anywhere. And please feel free to reach out or check out my resource pages if you like. Absolutely. You want to speak a a moment about your, um, your horses and where people could find you if they wanted to connect? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Thank you. So my horse work is a separate website. It's Wind Horse Sanctuary, wind like wind, and then Horse Sanctuary. And that has all my horse information on there. Also, I have a Facebook page, Wind Horse Sanctuary, and an Instagram page. So all that information is out there as well. And you can find my book, Grace, Grit, and Gratitude on Amazon and Barnes & Noble online too. Yes. Fantastic. Tara, thank you so much. Thank you for coming on to the podcast today to speak with us, for sharing your healing story and and all of what you've learned and gone through. We really appreciate it. You're an inspiration, and I know people are going to really enjoy hearing about your story. Thank you so much. Really appreciate the time. And thank you for listening to the Radical Remission Project, Stories That Heal podcast. Once again, I'm Kelly A. Turner, PhD, cancer researcher and founder of the Radical Remission Project. If you found today's episode inspiring, we encourage you to share it with anyone you think would benefit. If you'd like more information about the Radical Remission Project or would like some support bringing the 10 Radical Remission healing factors into your own life, visit us at RadicalRemission.com to find a certified Radical Remission health coach or to learn about an upcoming Radical Remission workshop. And if you'd like to connect with Liz or Carla directly for health coaching, you can visit RadicalRemission.com forward slash about us. Most importantly, be sure to like, share, and please, please, please review this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Your reviews are what allow us to keep finding sponsors and sponsors are what allow us to keep bringing you these podcasts. So thank you in advance for your reviews. One last thing, would you like to be on our podcast? If you're a radical remission survivor who's been in remission for at least three years, 
meaning that you either have stable or dormant disease, or perhaps even no evidence of disease. You can contact us at radicalremission.com forward slash podcast. The Stories That Heal podcast is a production of the Radical Remission Project and CAP Productions, hosted by Liz Curran and Carla Manz Giroux, produced by Ryan Giroux, music by Batchbug. Follow the stories that heal wherever you get your podcasts.